Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Welcome to Democracy-ish. I'm Torre. And I'm Danielle Moody-Mills. We just finished watching the debate, and I think we agree nobody won. Not one person. The de- the The race did not move in any way. Andrew Yang tried to give away something big. That didn't make a difference. I feel like I'm watching Kamala shrink before my eyes. And I think that you're right. Joe seemed lost, and yet he seems unshaken. I thought Elizabeth Warren was strong, and yet she does not... I don't feel her rising. I don't feel people respecting that. I don't know what will shake up this race. I'm unclear because I thought that Andrew Yang not wearing a tie would really send us over the edge, but unfortunately (laughs) it did not. I also thought that maybe us delving into considerable amount of policy issues, whether it be health care, whether it be wars, whether it be gun reform, would also get us there. But alas, alas, Torre, we have not arrived. I thought 10 people on one stage. Better. Ah, better. I thought that it would get us to the moment. It would get us to base camp of Everest. But alas, I feel covered in an avalanche of bullshit. I'm on clear about where we have arrived to, but I'm certain that no one in America was changed. Two big things I noticed versus the first debate when a lot of people were trying to punch Beto in the face, and I'm like, why are they attacking him? Oh, because he's the pretty boy. Well, apparently (laughs) now, either they're not afraid of him or they were so impressed by what he did following the El Paso shooting that it seemed like everybody took a moment to salute Beto and talk about how great he is and what a great guy he is. And so, okay, we all agree on that. Mm -hmm. And it so stood out to me versus four years ago and eight years ago, the the way that we speak about black issues now. Mm -hmm. I mean, we cannot, Mm -hmm. everybody up there is talking about white supremacy, systemic racism, incarceration, HBCUs. This was not the Democratic Party eight years ago. I think their heart was there, but it would be lip service. But now, like, everybody must say white supremacy, systemic racism, all these sorts of things. And it's like, oh, you're starting to take us more seriously and say, here's the issues we need to discuss. But here's the thing, Tori, is that you absolutely hit the nail on the head, is that everybody is saying those things and they're saying those phrases, 
but I'm unclear if they actually have any punch behind the rhetoric. This is where we fall short. I do believe that Beto O'Rourke is outraged. I do believe that having a a mass shooting within his hometown, within mm. his district, matters. I do believe that him getting up in front of reporters and saying, connect the fucking docs, actually matters. I do think that that is the case. But at the end of the day, is it just rhetoric? And I don't mean him. I mean everyone. Is it enough to say the phrase white supremacy but not actually attack the policies that have established that ideology that has persisted through our history? I don't know if that's enough. I don't know if it's enough just to say that and not have any policies that actually go to break that down. Call me naive, but I do believe that whoever we get out of this group, Mm. except for Joe, um, (laughs) would do that sort of work and would try to push policies that will be helpful to black and brown people. Now, Now, the policy point is important, and that's where the rubber meets the road. Mm-hmm. But rhetoric is also important. We are clear that Trump's rhetoric is hurtful, is painful, is divisive, and is leading certain specific people to take violent hate crime action. The rhetoric from this group is very loving, embracing, accepting, aware. I mean, this is the wokest group of white and brown people that we've ever seen on a Democratic primary stage ever. And I think that that matters. Just saying, yes, Trump is racist. Yes, white supremacy is real. Yes, we are over-incarcerating in this country. Those Just saying, like, yeah, no kidding. No shit. Yes, that's real. That matters. I think that it does matter, but you and I both know that saying something and doing something about it, there is a bridge in between that. Is it the Edmonds Bridge? I don't know. Is it, <laughs> it, it, you know, but it is something that is so vast. And I think that Democrats are still stuck in a place where we talk about a lot of things because we know that the American people need to have a, I don't know, a villain. Trump is a perfect villain, Right. But there are many of Democrats that have been in office that they can say, you had power, but you didn't actually do anything for us. Mm -hmm. You had power, but you didn't actually shift anything. So you knew that the criminal justice system was built against us. You knew that the education system was built against us. You knew all of these things. But what did you do? We all shouted and clapped our hands. Why? Because Bill Clinton played a saxophone. On Arsenio Did that on Arsenio Hall show? Mm. Did he do anything to actually shape anything for no. us? And by us, no. I mean black people. Did he do anything? We wanted to clap and applaud him as being the first black president, but mm. did he do anything for us? No, no. he did not. No. And so we are in a stage and a place in the 21st century where I'm like, you know what? It is not just enough for you to say a phrase of white supremacy. It's not just enough for you to tell me what I already know, which is the fact that Donald Trump is a white supremacist. I need to know what policies you are going to put in place in order to combat that. And the only And I say this all the time. The only person that is in this race that is actually looking systemically at issues is Elizabeth Warren. Everybody else is only giving me rhetoric, and that's not enough. Well, Beto, 
thinks about this systemically as well. But yes, I was captain. Oh, my captain. He <laughs> will stand on a stage. He will stand on a park bench. He will stand on a he will stand on a table at Starbucks. And God bless him. And I think that he is right. You know what? Sometimes you need to pause people and sometimes you need people to speak out. And Beto O'Rourke is doing that. And when you have a mass shooting that is in your, your hometown, town. then you need to speak out and you need to be exasperated. And Beto is doing all of those things. But let me ask you something. Aside from Beto, my captain, oh, my captain, what is he offering the American people other than F-bombs, which I think are important because I want him to tell me that, you know what, I've had enough. I've had enough of the rhetoric. I've had enough of the niceties. And I'm actually going to say what I want to say because we don't have time for the niceties. I get that. But what policies is Beto offering? I'll give I'll tell you one thing. I appreciate Beto for shifting the Overton window on guns mm. because Dems have been so afraid of the NRA since what was it Al Gore got defeated yes. by them supposedly. Yes. And he's willing to say, "Yes, I you want to call it a ban, you want to call it confiscation? Fine, let's do it." Why should you have an AK-47, an AR-15? And this is legal. The Second Amendment does not say you can have any weapon Trust at any believe. time, anywhere. Mm-hmm. Right? We're not we're not taking away your ability to have guns. We're taking away your ability to have certain guns. And weapons just, of mass destruction. Weapons of mass How destruction. About that? And this is an important step to saying we can go here mm-hmm. because the NRA's position is. Anything is a slippery slope toward confiscation. And he's saying, no, we're taking away these specific guns. So you want to have a conversation? Let's start there and meet somewhere else. But no, what? why should we be able to sell? Why should we be able to buy weapons that are meant to destroy bodies on a battlefield? You don't need that to protect your home. You don't need that to hunt animals. And also you don't need that exactly. You do not need that to hunt animals. And when I was I was on I was on a call recently. Uh, and I was listening to people because I always want to go to the folks that are actual real hunters. Mm. And they say to me, Danielle, you know, I live in remote areas. I hunt animals. We use it for food. Um, I, I hunt as a way to preserve certain things. From the New Yorker staff writer Vincent Cunningham, a keenly observed novel of a young black man searching for his place in the world amidst a moment of historic change. Great Expectations is about David's 18 months working for the senator's presidential campaign. Along the way, David meets a myriad of people who raise a set of questions. Questions of history, art, race, religion, and fatherhood that forced David to look at his own life anew and come to terms with his identity as a young black man and father in America. Inspired by the author's experiences working on Obama's 2008 presidential campaign, Cunningham uses a political campaign as his narrative backbone. Great Expectations will be one of the talked about novels of the year, Colin McCann. Great Expectations is available wherever books are sold. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from Mac Blue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities. Healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country. 
immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. This one caller said to me, you know what, I'm going to be honest with you. An AR-15, like you said, was only meant to destroy. If you were hunting, right, you want to preserve the animal because you want to bring it back. You want to use it for hide. You want to use it for food. You want to use it for its parts. An AR-15 is not what you're using because that weapon, like you just said, is meant to destroy, rip apart so you're not going to have the food. You're not, not going to have, have the, the head You're for not going to have the skin. You're not going to have the... Nothing. It mm-hmm. is meant to rip apart. It is ammunition for war. In war, you're not holding on to anything. Right. Right? It is meant to destroy. I want to step off the stage for a moment and talk about the moderators who led me to mm. think about something that's been fairly painful in my professional media career and forgive me for not remembering the name of the sister who was up there Mm -hmm. but it was it seemed quite clear to me that she was there to ask the black questions yes and then that was done yes and you know it reminded me of so much of my career which is like you're here to talk about the black stuff Mm -hmm. and not the other stuff Mm -hmm. and i am proud to be on the stage at an msnbc in the new york times wherever talking about the black stuff, interviewing black people. I do want to be in that position. Yes. But occasionally I want to do other things. Mm -hmm. I also love Radiohead. And there was a time when I got an assignment to write about Radiohead. And that assignment was almost taken away from me because they were like, well, you know, maybe you shouldn't be writing about Radiohead. Why? Well, you know, if I put Wonder Woman's lasso around you, the answer is because you're black. And (laughs) the struggle to get out of the box, out of the ghetto, is real and is painful. And the lack of flexibility and breath that black media folks are allowed is hurtful. And Mm -hmm. I saw that in her. And it's like, great that you're here. Great that you're able to ask these questions. And... The white reporters are not going to ask them, but I want you to have more. Oh, wait. Her name is Lindsay Davis. So I want to give her that respect to give Mm -hmm. her name. She did a great job with what she was tasked with doing. I know some people are going to be upset that she was seemed to attack Kamala. And I think she just asked a pointed question. But just the notion of like, so, Lindsay, you're going to do the black questions. Jorge, you're going to do the Latino questions. And then George and David Muir, you dear George and David. You do whatever you want to do. Like, what? what but, is that? But, but let's let's be very clear. There's a reason why we didn't know Lindsay's name, right? Uh, Lindsay was never brought to prominence in a way where other people have been, other black women correspondents, hosts have been brought to. I, I don't thing. know. I don't watch ABC. I don't outside watch of ABC Black-ish. either. But let 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 us let us be clear, Tore. We pay a lot of attention to a lot of things. I would notice, right? We would have noticed. There is a reason, to your point, that she was brought out at a specific moment, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And why was she brought out? So that it wouldn't look crazy if George Stephanopoulos had attacked Kamala Harris, right? And had said, well, you came out of the gate and you said a whole bunch of things and now you have backtracked on them. And how does that make, what, what are you going to say to the people that believed in you 
from the gate, Kamala. I mean, what are you going to say to that? And so they did what Fox News has always done, which is the reason why I don't go on Fox News as a black woman, is because the whole premise is to pit you against mm, somebody else. Yep. The whole premise is to set up an argument. The whole premise is to set up the political um, idea and architect of a, oh, I don't know, uh, Anini Leaks versus mm. a Candy versus what The whole idea is to set you up as a real housewife of X, mm. right? Against somebody else. It is not to get to the root of the root that, oh, black women have a different ideology. Mm. Like, not all black women think the same way. No. Right? That we, we no, are... No, you're not racist because you're that, both black. Right, that we have a breath and a depth, right, to us. It wasn't to showcase that. No. It was to give cover was, to the uh, question that people have always wanted to ask Kamala Harris. But, oh, we need to pull that one black sister, whether she is in the mailroom, whether she is a, a, a correspondent that we don't know. And I say this because being on the debate stage for a Democratic debate is a big friggin' huge, deal. Huge. It's a big deal so much so that when the first debates happened— and it was trending, where are the black women? If you say that we are the base of the Democratic Party, but all you have are white people, mo- moderators that are asking the questions, then we're going to say to where where are we at? How come we're not represented? Boo, right? also, boo also to ABC for doing the same areas of questions that mm. everybody else has I done. Mean. Started with health care, mm-hmm. went to guns, yes. went to immigration, went yep. to black issues. These are important issues. These issues have been mined deeply on the MSNBC debate, on the other debates. There are other things that we can talk about, guys. Mm-hmm. Especially, did it jump out at you when they asked Joe Biden about a professional setback and he was like, I've never really had one. Yeah, it's just so weird because I'm white and I'm old and I've been in this place for so long. And yeah, I've had personal setbacks. Massive, massive personal setbacks that would probably leave many of us in bed for the rest of our lives. Nobody's taking that away from Joe Biden. But let's also understand some realness, right? Like, I don't need to pretend that Joe Biden hasn't had major personal setbacks to also understand that when asked a very real question, that he couldn't come up with a professional one. I don't, right? I've oh, never I don't have... know. You know what? Oh my... I have. Oh, sat... my God. You died on the presidential stage twice. You ran for president twice and died. You have no- nothing. There's no professional setback that you can think of. Who does really? that remind you of, Torrey? Somebody. Who is white and old and yet can't admit any fault. It's weird. It's almost like it's two. I flip a coin and it's two sides of the same. Speaking of which, Elizabeth Warren Mm. also wants to make America great again. She's also talking about Mm -hmm. a previous America where you could afford to go Mm -hmm. to college, where wages were fair, where Mm -hmm. prices were reasonable. And she wants to return us to that and you see this sort of longing for the past of america where she could go to college on a waitress's salary and end up a professor at harvard and then a u.s senator Mm -hmm. and it's the two sides of the same coin but instead of the racist repressive side it's the open-minded let's be inclusive side because elizabeth warren reminds us who we're actually fighting 
We're not fighting each other. Yes. It is not black people against Latinx people. No. It is not men, quote it unquote, against women. The, it is actually fighting people, against, I don't know, the institutions, the, people, the corporations, the, institutions the wealthy. The wealthy 1%. Isn't that what who, you want in a public who, servant? And I said this to, I said this on Twitter this week. If you are a white person, whose whole reason for voting against Hillary Clinton was economic anxiety. Oh, good Lord. And by economic anxiety, I use my whole hands to do quotations, (laughs) not just my fingers, quotation marks, but my whole hand. And I'm saying, if that is your thing, then how is it that you can listen, understand, and read Elizabeth Warren's plans and say, oh, but that's not it. Because she is actually a person that has laid out, oh, it's not the Latinx people that are coming and fleeing from, fleeing from violence, right? That are coming for your jobs. It's the wealthy people that have exported your jobs. It's the wealthy people that don't want to pay you, that they have decided that unions are detrimental to their growth. It is all of these things. She's laying out the real deal. Here's what's going on. The wealthy and the corporations are screwing you. Mm-hmm. The system is rigged. Yes. That's her whole thesis. Whole thing. Nobody, except for Bernie sometimes, breaks it down like that. And mm-hmm. this is the reality. The immigration canard that Trump stands on is total bullshit. bullshit. Elizabeth Warren is giving you the real shit, and she's here for the real people. Not she's not secretly here for the corporations like so many others. And so when when Wall Street comes out and they say, you know who I don't want to be president? Mm. Elizabeth Warren. Mm. Because that is going to take away something from me. Listen. Then why do those people who quote unquote had economic anxiety? Right. They were saying, oh, I just didn't make it out as well. And let me tell you, I can delve in and we can do a whole other show about white people and their economic anxiety. Come on. Because I will talk about people that have been marginalized and have been living at the intersections of multiple identities that have been put out Mm. and led astray Mm. in terms of being able to access the American dream. But I will not digress because I do not have the time. But if we did. There is no one who is laying out a plan for you and your American dream and your generations of people who have a desire to shoot their shot, if Mm. you will. Right? Yeah. Why wouldn't you listen to Elizabeth Warren as opposed to Donald Trump? Why wouldn't Elizabeth Warren be the person that is fighting for you? Elizabeth Warren is actually fighting for real, regular people. Mm Mm-hmm. Trump says he is, mm. but he's clearly not. Correct. But Elizabeth Warren is not going to make you feel good as a victimized, oppressed white person. Mm-mm. Right? She's talking about right. let's give some more money to HBCUs, mm-hmm. let's raise up black and brown people, mm-hmm. let's do DACA. She's not going to do the white oppressed dance for right. you. Right. Which is right. what he is all about. And, and that is what we need to White understand. Victimhood. You know, mm-hmm. you know that you know the um gif that you see all the time of Homer Simpson disappearing into, into the, the bushes. <laughs> I, I, I feel like that's what Kamala is doing. And not like on Ooh. her own, not wanting to disappear, but like mm. I feel like I saw her tonight like disappearing against her own will. Like she's a power I, she didn't speak for the first half hour. 
I mean, right, she had her opening statement and mm-hmm. then, you know, which is a huge problem, the way that they structure the debate. The people who are highest in the polls get to speak the most. Well, that is a self-reinforcing thing sure. that media is showing. You are the leader, so you get to speak the most, which voters go, oh, well, then you probably should be the leader since you're getting to because speak you the know, most. you know most. Did media not have meetings and say, you know what, we help propel Trump by giving him all the media oxygen, so let's try to not do that again. No, we're doing that again. But Kamala clearly made a calculation in this debate. Mm. I am going to speak to Trump. I'm going to attack him as much as I can, which I think is partly driven to the notion of women are not strong enough to attack Trump so we're not comfortable supporting a woman. And this goes back to the electability question that we keep floating in the air that I think floats in there like air freshener, which is bullshit because it only goes to mask the things that we don't actually want to breathe in. And so (laughs) the reality is, is that any number of the top five, six, ten candidates that were showcased today are better than Donald Trump. Oh, my God. But the question that we have to ask ourselves is, can they punch in the same way that he can? But by that, I don't just mean to play to the bottom denominator. Okay. I mean, can they remind Americans what they care about the most? And this is why I go back to the economic question, the question mark, which is that if, in fact, let me suspend all logic that I have. Let me pretend I don't have multiple degrees. Let me pretend that I am not Trump's worst nightmare, which is a black woman that is educated and that does not give a fuck. Come on. Let me pretend. Come on. If that were not the case and I were to delve into the lie that says that white people have economic anxiety. Mm. If you were to tell me that Elizabeth Warren says, you know what? You know who's stealing your money? You know who's stealing your American dream? You know who's saddling you with debt? It is not Jorge, whatever his last name is, from Mexico, from Guatemala, from Central America, from this place, that it is not him. It is not Maria. It is not this person. It is not all of the people that Donald Trump told you to be afraid of. But alas, alas, it is Jason who is sitting up on his ivory tower in the financial sector that it's, is looking down on you and Waltons. that is saying it's it is Trump the Waltons, himself. it is the Trumps, it is the Bannons, it is the Shepherds, it is the this, that, and the other thing. But what they have done successfully, what they have done successfully to Array, and they continue to do, is have us be at war with each other. Mm. Because when we are at war with each other, we do not look above us. When we are at war with each other, when black people go after Latinx people, when poor white people go after everybody else, when women go after this group of people, then we're not paying attention to, wait a minute, wait a minute, who above the person, above the station of me, is gaining from my loss? Of course, that was the original point of racism Mm. in America, Mm. to keep working class people fighting against each other and not to look upward to Mm -hmm. to come together and look upward. Oh, it's you wealthy people who are screwing us. No, let the white people have somebody to look down on. The poor Mm -hmm. white people have somebody to look down on and they'll be happy. You know, 
Joe continues to lead this race. Mm-hmm. I saw a poll that said Elizabeth and Joe are tied, but I've only seen one. Mm-hmm. I need to see more than one, but I believe that this ra- this debate will just perpetuate the status quo. And I believe that the support for Joe is largely based around fear. Yes. That and it's like it's like when you come to the the final seconds of the game and you're tied and mm-hmm. you're afraid to lose and so everything every muscle gets all tight and you're afraid to shoot and you want to just just pass the ball to somebody I don't want to shoot. You're afraid of Trump too, which I am also. So you're in paralysis and like what is the safest choice? The white man who's been around for a long time. And you're thinking Others will vote for him. Not, I, I don't think that anybody is thrilled and excited to vote for Joe Biden. The thinking is that others, independents, mm-hmm. some Trump voters will vote for Joe. So that will be safe. But you're not, think about who you are excited to vote for. Think about who Democrats want and would yeah. be excited to vote for. Yes. I am tired of making the choice around fear. And tonight, as much as any of the debates, I said, where is Biden's big idea that would that would uh, that would justify him being the leader here? Where is the command of the issues that would justify him being the leader? Where is the charisma that would justify? I don't see any of that. I see it in Elizabeth Warren. I see charisma. I -hmm. see brilliance. I see a command of the issues. I see a command of the issues in Bernie. And brilliance in Bernie, I don't know if there's charisma, but I see the of the intellectual things that I want in a president. I don't see any of it in Joe. He looks lost. He looks like he needs his hearing aid and to go back and have a nap and some cookies. Why is he leading this thing? He's leading it because of exactly what you said. He is America's safety blanket. Mm-hmm. He makes us feel good about ourselves. He reminds us of a forgotten time. It has only been, what, three years since the Obamas left the White House? It feels like 3,000 years for, those of, us, did, right? for he... those of us that were in it. When Jorge was pushing him on where were you on the deportations, and he danced away from the question, mm. right? And then when it came to the surge, he said, oh, I was against the surge. So you want to map out your distance from Barack over here, mm-hmm. but on this other issue, you won't really talk the about it. The reality is is that we're playing, Democrats continue to play the wrong war, right? Because any pivot of that is, hmm, did Barack Obama put children in cages? Did he kill seven children within custody? Has he, oh, I don't know, decided not to vaccinate a whole group of people and then allow the mumps to continue to penetrate the system without doing anything about it? No, he did not, right? Did he turn away an entire ferry of people from a devastated island and say, oh, that's right, they're bringing in gangs? Where did we hear that from? Uh, Where did we hear that from again? Because I can tell you that when you have been devastated, when you have nothing but the shirt on your back, I can tell you the first thing that you're thinking about where can I originate the next gang? Right. That's what I'm doing. Not where can, where can I originate the next little spit of toothpaste, the shirt off my back. I don't know, a little bit of food. Thousands of homeless people. Thousands. In our global neighbors. Correct. 
And you say no? You, you say, can't come here? You don't only say no, you say hell no. Are, are, is that not the core of what America is? That if you are suffering politically, personally, economically, come here, we will absorb you, we will take you in, we will make you part of Is that not the core of what America what is? Steve, the Statue of Liberty? What did Steve Bannon and Miller tell Trump? Mm. There is nothing right that ain't white. Mm. There is nothing right that ain't white. So, so let us not pretend. So we had a debate that was as long as a short Yankees Red Sox game. <laughs> that was as long as the first four sets of Nadal versus Medvedev. Correct. And nothing changed. Nothing. And the I... needle has not been moved. And I, I, it can't just end like, I mean, these, these races never just start with a picture and then end like that, right? I mean, I need a Mariah encore where I'm shaken to the core and I'm done. If you're going to give every sports metaphor, then I need to give the people something that they can relate to. And so here I am. If Mariah is blasting out from her lungs, from her diaphragm, and she is shaking the roof, we are moved from that as a people. I am shifted. And what I'm saying to you with these debates, I don't know if it's the moderators. I don't know if it's the format. I don't know if it's the people that are debating. But what I can say is thou shall not be moved and not moved in the way that I want to be moved. Let me, let me, let me take you on a little take us on a brief tangent. Because I interviewed Mariah once at 2 in the morning fancy folks? at some hotel on downtown on the east side. And the only thing I really remember is I asked her if she thought of herself as black. Mm. And she said yes. And she talked about getting bullied as a child that people were saying, you know, you're a mulatto and those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. And she kind of got jumped. And I wish that she wouldn't relate her blackness only to a moment of pain because there's tremendous joy in being black as well. Correct. And they said you have to cut that part of the interview out. Who said it, Tore? The label. The people. So, yeah. anyway. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from Mac Blue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
Nothing moved tonight. We have three hours of debate. Mm. Nothing changed. What is going to change this race? I am unclear because I thought that maybe two mass shootings within the realm of 14 hours. I thought that maybe, I don't know, the Washington Post coming out and saying that the president of the United States has reached 13,000 lies. I don't know. I I, I have no idea. Uh, I, I thought maybe somebody saying that they resigned but then were fired and it's his third national security advisor. I have no idea. The apocalypse maybe, but maybe I, I mean, am in the apocalypse, but I don't know it. It's kind of like, am I a zombie? Am I a vampire? Is it day? Is it night? I don't fucking know. I mean, know. We, couldn't, we could not be more outraged about Trump. I can't be. But there's got to be something with these candidates that would allow somebody to move faster or screw up. And, you know, I mean, right. I mean, like you can't you it, life is not if something bad happens. Life is when, when. something ha- bad happens. Correct. So and I'm not wishing anything bad to happen. But politically speaking, these people have got to run into hurdles and potholes and something will happen and the race will change. And I sense Elizabeth Warren growing and others dropping away. And maybe we're going to have to get down to like a three or four person debate for that to actually happen. Oh, it's weird. I thought we were in a three or four person debate tonight because no one else stood out except for the top three. But I digress. Look, I don't know. Well, what's, did well. I, I don't know what's going to shake us. I mean, Captain, oh, my Captain. I don't know <laughs> what is going to shake us. I don't know if it's standing on a table at Starbucks. I don't know if it's screaming from the roof of my mouth. I don't know what it is, but I will tell you that what it isn't, which is that this continued debate cycle of 10 people on a stage being asked to define what it is that their policy measures are in 35 or 45 seconds ain't fucking it. Can we do that a little differently? Does everybody have to do the debate the same way? 30 seconds to define your your complex position on a complex issue. How about we do it differently? Let them talk. Let them talk to each other. Of course, part of it is that this is what the candidates want. They insist on these. Absolutely. They insist on these sorts of strictures. They insist on the sorts of people who get to ask them questions. They are part of the problem of why we do the debates this way. They don't want to have a free form, long form conversation where anybody can say anything. Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, and perhaps Elizabeth Warren are definitely like, we don't want to change this format. We are winning in this format. Why would we want to open this up and give I somebody else a chance? I would argue that Elizabeth Warren is not in that same realm because I think that she can flex anywhere that she is, whether it is a small town hall or a big stadium. I think that she has the wherewithal to flex. Here's the thing is that we need candidates in this particular moment that are intellectually nimble, that understand mm. the times, that understand the consequences of the times, that are not afraid to call bullshit and will actually do the deed that is necessary necessary to do, which is not only kick Trump out of the White House, but call bullshit and call criminal activity on what it is that's been done and not just, oh, I don't know, pretend it didn't happen. But we need more than he is wrong. He is criminal. He is racist. He is horrible. Stipulated. All that. True. Totally agree. But we need a candidate we love. There has to be a reason to vote for them. We cannot think that we're going to win just having hatred and voting against Trump. There has to be a reason it's to weird. vote for. Touré, because it worked in 2016 
And I'm thinking that my hate for Donald Trump, my hate for white supremacy, my hate for patriarchy, my hate for white nationalists, and all of that, I don't know, maybe it will spur something. But I know what I am tired of is the kumbaya bullshit Mm. that got us here. Because there is not anybody that I want to have a drink with or brunch with. But there is somebody that I want to get rid of and throw it in the fucking dumpster. And that is Donald Trump and the entire administration. So you can keep your cocktails. You can keep your knitting. You can keep your, you know, pullover hoodie that allows me to be in your club. Because the only club that I want to be in is the one that is, I don't know, Looking at Donald Trump in a glass cage and saying, yeah, motherfucker, you got what it is you came for. (laughs) Joe Biden says that you should not go to prison for nonviolent offenses, but we want to see Trump in the handcuffs. We want to see him in the bracelets. Oh, handcuffs, bracelets, orange jumpsuit. Hell yeah. No toupee. There's a lot that's coming. Oh, I love that image. Thank you for listening to Democracy-ish. I'm Torre. And I'm Danielle Moody-Mel. We'll be back next week. Every week.